Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. We are your hosts, Danny and Sammy. And today's episode is a Q&A. So the questions that we will be answering today are what Danny and I received on Instagram. Um, so it's just a, quite a wide variety of different questions, um, mainly fitness related ones. But we'll start off with the first question which is, do we use supersets or straight sets? So, Danny and I both use these sets in our training. Um, the main difference is, supersets is when you have two different exercises. You can have exercises that target the same muscle, um, or you can have exercises that actually target like the opposite that is it antagonist muscle. Yeah. yeah As an example, biceps and triceps. Um, and then straight sets is obviously you're doing one exercise and you just do your normal sets. Um, so I think the place for supersets really is you wouldn't really superset big compound movements, obviously, because they require a lot more, um, energy a lot more strength cns um so supersets are more for accessory work and i would say i personally use it only if i'm trying to have my workout slightly shorter i will always prefer to do straight sets because i feel like i can get more out of the exercise yeah you'd usually sense? use it to to save time yeah. um if you've got like quite a lot of volume, quite a long session, or you've got some sort of time restraints. Um, however, some people would use it, use it with some compound movements. If they're doing like antagonistic supersets, they might do like a chest exercise with a back exercise. Yeah. Um, I don't personally do it with compounds. I like to keep them as straight sets for the same reason that Sammy said, because they require a lot of like energy and effort. Um, and I would struggle to perform as well on those movements if I did them as a superset. But where they could potentially be used is with like, if you're trying to create metabolic stress, you could do a superset. So for example, let me try and think of something. If you were gonna do a leg extension into like a walking lunge to try and create a lot of metabolic stress through your quads, and the leg extension could be used as sort of like an activation to fire up the waking muscle before you go into walking lunges. Um, so there's a place then there's a time and a place, but like Sammy said, if you've got enough time to perform most of your compound movements as straight sets, I would just use straight sets most of the time. I think that at the end of the day, it's what your goal is. If you're, if your goal is bodybuilding and the end goal is to build as much muscle as possible, why would you compensate your performance for doing a superset? Whereas if you're just someone who wants to be an endurance athlete, you know, you're trying to um, improve how like time under tension or whatever, how much you can perform of something, then I think probably supersets are better to use. Yeah. Just yeah. And they potentially have a bit of place with metab metabolite work, but you don't want to abuse them and use them like all the way through your session. That's pointless. Yeah, definitely. 
Next question, Sammy. So this person said they want to compete, but they know their parents will be against it. Do we have any tips on how to deal with this? So I can actually relate to this question. So my dad, well, he kind of accepts it now, but he never really accepted this whole fitness thing. So when I decided to do my contest prep, I told my mom because she was always quite supportive. She actually was the one who said, yeah, you should do it. But I didn't tell my dad and she, and I asked her not to tell my dad. So I think, I mean, it's not good advice. Like don't tell your parents, but I think the best thing really to do um, is to try and explain to them why you're doing it. Because I think from the outside looking in, it looks like you're doing some beauty pageant, you know, where, you're doing unhealthy stuff. But if you actually sit them down and maybe tell them why you're doing it and what it involves, they might have a better understanding of it. Um, but like I said, the way I did it, I didn't say anything. And then once I had competed, my mom told my dad and he actually understood it afterwards. Yeah, it's important to try and explain what you're doing and why you're doing it yeah. so that they can potentially understand rather than, um, I think a lot of it's tempting to kind of keep people in the dark or shut them off when you're going through a prep and you know they won't understand. Yeah. However, that's in a lot of cases, it will make things worse. So if you just try and talk to them about it, be really open and honest, explain why you want to do it maybe show them some pictures, explain what it consists of, that it's a sport and it's not just like you getting up on stage in a tiny thong and a small bikini, <laughs> a small bikini top. Like that's not the purpose of it. And yeah, just explain your why, explain what it consists of, why you're doing it, explain all the positives of it because there are a lot of positives of competing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they might not get it at first, but they will come around like Sammy's dad did. And a lot of my family were the same. They weren't really all for it at first. Um, and they kind of didn't get it. Some of them still don't get it. And they're still a bit like, they don't really like the fact that I'm doing the back pose in a small bikini on stage. They look at my pictures and they're a bit like, mm, don't know about that. But um, they, they accept that I'm, it's my sport and I love it. So they're willing to support me now. And they, they've kind of come to terms with it. So yeah, just try and be open and honest with people and explain why it means so much to you. And eventually they'll realize why you're doing it when you get really good and you start winning shows. <laughs> exactly. It's like that saying, like, don't tell them, show them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Then people when they realize how successful you are, they'll be like, oh, well done. Like, and they'll congratulate you. Yeah. Um, next question is, how do you work out if you're more suited for bikini or for figure? So this is an interesting one and it's largely dictated by how much muscle tissue you're carrying, but also what shape your body is. So for example, I've got quite naturally narrow shoulders. So for me to compete in figure, I would need an absolute shit ton of muscle. Like I'd need a lot of lap, um, which I don't have right now. So I think for me to compete in figure, like I said, I'd have to have so much muscle in comparison to someone that's naturally got really wide lats and shoulders. Um, so it partly depends on your frame and your body shape, but also largely dependent upon how much muscle tissue you're carrying. And also if you want to compete in figure, 
in a non-tested federation like the IFBB or the PCA, you're probably going to have to go down the assisted route as well. So you've got to consider whether you want to go down that yeah, road. Yeah, we agree with what Danny said. Um, and also you need to consider that if you're going to compete in figure, you have to be a lot leaner than for bikini. So if you're someone that's, say, in the future, I know actually quite a few girls, they want to do figure in the future, start out with a bikini competition to kind of get a feel for it. See what it's like stepping on stage. You don't need to get as lean. You don't need to have as much muscle. And then further down your, you can call it, I guess, fitness career um, or fitness journey, you can then do figure. Yeah. Well, right. if you're not sure, I would say maybe try the poses and see what looks best on you. Maybe go see a posing coach and they will help you and ask your own um, like nutrition and training coach as well what they think and, and they'll be able to add back to you. Yeah, and also see like potentially even genetically like, you know, if you have like incredibly wide lats because you did swimming when you were young or whatever. Um, we actually have a friend like that, Leah. Um, you know, yeah. look at that person and it would be a waste for them to do bikini because they have such a good back. Or someone, if they have really good, like, developed hamstrings and glutes, like, it would be a waste for them not to do bikini. So, again, like Danny said, have a look at your shape and then potentially make decisions from there. Yeah. Work to what suits your frame and your body best. Yeah, exactly. Um... <laughs> so, Sammy, is it true that you have to shave all of your body hair before stage? It's really funny because that is the exact question that I was asking before I competed. And I did. I shaved everything, obviously, apart from my eyebrows and my hair. Um, but yeah, I shaved my arms. I don't usually shave my arms. Um, because the thing is, you're going to have a spray tan. And you don't want anything to kind of be, I don't know, any patches or anything like that. Yeah. I... I actually don't shave my arms. That is one thing I don't do. I shave everywhere else or whack, get a wax. I got a wax for my last few shows. Um, but I don't shave my arms. However, my arms aren't really that hairy and it's really light hair. So I think it depends on you as an individual. Like the hair on my arms is very fine. There's barely anything there and it's really light. So for me, I don't need to shave my arms, but I do get my legs like my legs my private areas waxed my underarms waxed or shaved um so yeah unless you want a hairy body on stage you're gonna have to sort it out somehow <laughs> yeah um and then when you do remove this might sound weird but you know you can't reach all the places if you want to shave certain areas so just make sure that either you have someone help you or you can use what i did which is that hair removal cream then you can literally just put it everywhere yeah. yeah um next question tips on having good stage presence from or on your first show from your first show for both males first and of all first of all whether you're male or female go and see a posing coach um, because learning how to pose properly will give you confidence in what you're doing, which will come across when you get on stage. So make sure you master your craft, learn how to present your physique, and then you'll be super confident with it. Um, I also have 
a small amount of alcohol before I go on stage just to kick my nerves. But I know that's not for everybody. It's just something I personally like to do. So that's an option if you want to try it. Um, but don't have too much. You don't want to be falling over on stage. <laughs> and just smile and enjoy it. Enjoy the day. I think a lot, yeah, a lot of what um, stage presence comes from is your confidence. And the way to get confidence is just to keep practicing. Make it second nature so it's not something that you're doing and you're like, oh my God, what, this is so like new to me. So if you start practicing your posing from like even 20 weeks out, um, you know, or if you've already competed and then you're in off season, still continue practicing in off season, even if it's just once a week when you do your check-in pictures. Um, yeah, so I definitely- And also remember, remember how hard you've worked. Like you've not worked this hard to step on stage and not be confident in yourself. You should be so proud of how far you've come um you've obviously made massive changes to your own physique before you've stepped on stage you've gone through a lot and it's your preps most likely been like what 16 weeks plus for most people you've not put that much work in to get on stage and not present your physique to the best of your ability and be confident in it um so smile enjoy yourself shoulders back chest up your body language says a lot to make sure that you hold good posture and smile. And then one more thing specifically for females, obviously when it comes to, um, I'm pretty sure it's all classes, but I know bikini especially, uh, your overall package, so even your hair, your makeup, everything makes a massive difference. So, you know, potentially maybe if you, you're doing your own makeup, have a few trials at home, um, and the thing is stage makeup is very different to normal makeup. So, you know, make sure that you know what you're doing, but if you want to just not stress on the day, if you can afford to get someone to do your makeup who has experience, um, same with your hair. If you know what you're doing, that's fine. Otherwise get someone to do your hair, hair for you. Um, and then, and also yeah, heels, make sure you can walk in your heels. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to look confident. If you've fallen over like Bambi, you're not going to look very confident on stage. So make sure your heels are an appropriate height for you. Yeah, and there's different styles as well. Like, you don't need to get just the slip-ons. You can get the strap ones if they suit you better. Um, and also make sure your skin is uh, prepared for the tan. Because uh, for me, my first competition was awful because for some reason I had, like, patchy skin, even though I prepped my skin. So just little things like that make a massive difference. Because one of my feedback on my second show was better tan. And I was like, okay. So yeah, literally the littlest things will make a difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, so someone else asked Sammy how, they said it's challenging. So how do we go from a hypertrophy phase or what they called a bulk to a deficit or a fat loss phase? Uh, and then go back into a deficit. So for, they're struggling with the transition from a bulk or a calorie surplus to a deficit or a fat loss phase. Okay. So I think first of all, um, there's some things that you know you need to be ready for. So when you go into a fat loss phase, um, and actually I can relate to this because that's what I'm going through. You're going to be hungry and you have to accept it. Um, as much as you don't want to experience a bit of hunger, you will. And I think just 
being prepared for and having a plan in place is the best thing you can do. Tracking things, um, having data, you know, taking pictures, taking your scale weight measurements. Um, I think, and also having someone there for you, whether that be a coach or someone who you can trust who can help you. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, having a plan in place and something that you can follow is the best thing to do. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. You've got to, like Sammy said, being hungry is part of fat loss. You've got to accept that. Don't try, don't try and avoid it because the more you avoid it, like the worse it's going to be. If you're constantly thinking, oh, I need to avoid hunger. I'm trying to bulk out every single meal. I'm using every diet hack in the book. Like in the first few phases of fat loss, you're only going to make it worse for yourself, especially further down the line. When if you just saved those like diet hacks and little tools to help you deal with hunger until the back end of your deficit, you would have been able to deal with it probably a lot better when things get tough. Um, so yeah, just accept that you're going to be hungry, accept that it's part of the process, focus on the positive aspects of the process. So you've gone from being in a gaining phase to a fat loss phase. Your focus now needs to be like getting leaner, but also your fitness increasing due to increased cardio, enjoying other aspects of life rather than focusing on food for enjoyment all the time. Like, yes, you can't go out for as many meals with friends and family. You can't go out for drinks. However, you can do other things with your friends and family. You can go out for walks. You can go bowling, go to the cinema. My personal favorite is trying out all the different diet drinks at the cinema. Yeah, exactly. So focus on what you're, you can do and what you are able to do rather than thinking, I can't have that. I can't do this. Like you're only going to set yourself up for failure if you focus on all the things that you can't have. Yeah. You're going to hate it. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest mistake that I noticed that when people are dieting, they're like, oh, I really want to have this muffin or that. And they focus on the opposite. And then when they are in a gaining phase or bulking, they're like, oh, I can't wait to cut. I can't wait to be shredded. So just enjoy what you're doing in the moment. And when you're like in a deficit, focus on getting leaner as opposed to trying to like, build muscle because i think that's the other thing is that once you enter a deficit think about you're trying to hit condition whereas yeah. when you're in a uh, building phase walking aim for the numbers in the gym you know you're trying to get stronger yeah. you've got to switch your focus and um make your focus appropriate to the yeah. goal you're trying to pursue yeah. rather than thinking oh i miss being strong Exactly. Like, I can't go out for food anymore. I can't have an Easter egg at Easter. You know, focus on what you can have and it will make the process a lot more enjoyable. And remember as well, people often, like when they enter a diet phase or a competition prep, they think, oh, I'm 10 weeks out, 10 weeks until I can eat this, oh. 10 weeks until I can, you know, and they build up a post-show stash. They evolve everything around food remember food is always going to be there you don't need to do that you don't need to fantasize about it you don't need to like 10 weeks until you can have chocolate you don't need to do that yeah. um and it's going to make the process a lot harder for you if you do so and it's going to make post-show very difficult 
if you make the whole thing evolve around food. Yeah. Um, next question is, how do you cut thigh fat? So, unfortunately, you can't choose where body fat removes itself from your body whilst you're in a calorie deficit. Um, so if you want to lose body fat, you've just got to get yourself into a deficit. You can create that deficit through reducing your calorie intake or increasing expenditure through cardio or steps or a combination of both increasing expenditure and decreasing your calorie intake. Um, that's obviously a very simplistic answer. There are other things which will contribute. Um, however, that is how you're going to lose body fat. And unfortunately, you can't choose where it comes off. What you can do is build muscle in certain areas so that like at a certain scale weight, you look leaner. You can go through a hypertrophy phase to build muscle in certain areas. So you look like more shapely, but tighter in that area next time you cut down, if that makes sense. Um, and that you look leaner at a particular body weight, but you can't choose where fat comes off. Yeah, and where you store fat is largely dependent on your genetics. And I also think for females, like there's specific areas where they where they tend to carry more fat, that being the thighs, around the bum. Um, some women have it where their arms are. So honestly, it's just like Danny said, you know, you're just gonna have to lose body fat overall, and build muscle in those areas. And don't fear resistance training because if you do say you've not got much muscle tissue in your thighs, they're going to appear softer. Mm -hmm. But if you build muscle in that area, they'll appear firmer and a bit more athletic. The muscle will push against the surface of your skin, making you appear leaner overall. Um, so don't fear weights. They are like your best friend if you're trying to become leaner, basically. Yeah, and if you want to maintain as much muscle tissue as you can in a deficit. Yeah. Um, Sammy, someone else has asked tips to break the binge eating cycle. So again, Disclaimer, we are not medical professionals. Yeah. Um, so again, something I can personally really relate to. Um, I think the biggest mistake uh, people make, biggest mistake I made, is you go on into the next day thinking about the previous day. And that is kind of what gets you in that binge eating cycle. So you think, right, I messed up today, so I'm just going to eat what I want. But then tomorrow, I'm going to restrict myself, have less carbs or whatever. And then what happens is you get to the point tomorrow where you're hungry in the evening because you've restricted yourself you haven't had carbs and then it starts again so in my opinion the best thing to do is once it happens that that's it you you make a line and you just go back onto your plan whatever your macros are because the thing is in a few weeks that will balance itself out that will just be you know a baseline um Whereas if you keep thinking about the previous day and comparing it to the following day, you're just going to keep getting into that cycle. Um, but also look at what is causing you to get into a binge eating cycle. Um, are you restricting yourself from something? Um, are you starting to um, high in a calorie deficit? So first look at the root cause of it and then 
you know, if you have issues once you're in it, that's what my advice would be. Yeah, I agree with that. And also one thing you could consider if you're really struggling um, and you feel like you've got the urge to overeat all of the time, potentially try bringing your calories up because it you'll still be in you'll still be consuming less overall if you take an average across the week if you bring your calories up slightly than if you're trying to restrict yourself and then when it gets like friday for example you binge and shoot over your calories by thousands it's going to bring your average up a lot whereas if you just bring your overall calorie target up slightly you will probably end up consuming less calories because you're not binging. Um, exactly. So potentially try bringing your target up a little bit if you're consistently struggling with the urge to overeat. Um, and also focus on things which will help your hunger levels, like taking your time to eat, being mindful of the food you're consuming, eating without distractions, um chewing your food properly try consuming foods higher in volume like lots of fruit and veg throughout the day don't opt for really calorie dense foods because they're not going to fill you up very easily um but at the same time don't don't adopt the attitude of there's good and bad foods so i'm going to stay completely away from chocolate because yeah. then if you've got a craving for chocolate that's going to build up throughout the week and that may cause a binge so include foods that you are prone to overeating on in your diet as long as they're not a really hyper palatable food so a high palatable food is a food that you really really enjoy so as long as it's not something which you are really really prone to binging on and the type of food where if you have it in the house you binge on it every single time as long as it's not one of those foods include foods you enjoy in your diet on a daily basis rather than trying to restrict them and then that urge to binge building up throughout the week and causing a full-on blowout sort of yeah, thing yeah and also what i found helps is when you're satisfied after your meals so make sure that when you have your meals you don't just like randomly eat like let's just say oats on their own like you make sure that you combine it with protein because protein actually keeps you full um and you have like decent sized meals like it's better to have four to five decent sized meals than just snacking throughout the day because that's just going to keep you really hungry and not satisfied. Um, so yeah. And then another method I would say that uh, helped me at least is if you're someone who you know that in the evening you get really hungry and that's when you're prone to binge, save a bit more calories for the evening. Yeah. That's basically main things also. and if you're really struggling and you feel like you've got a problem and it's been going on for a long time go and seek professional advice talk to somebody about it don't just keep it locked up in a bottle because it won't help anything um and you do need professional help if you are really struggling with a full-blown eating disorder um sometimes people like everyone has issues some people, yeah, and some people go through short periods of time, like post-show, where they might um, binge a couple of times, in which case that's not necessarily a full-blown eating disorder. You don't need to go to see the doctor or whatever. However, if it's been going on for a prolonged period of time, I would go and seek help and get it checked out and make sure that you're okay and talk to people about it. Yeah. Um, next question. 
is static stretching something we should focus on post-workout as part of a cool down? Yeah, I would do it post-workout. I don't, I will be completely honest. I don't do a hell of a lot of stretching myself. Um, if I do it, it is post-workout. It's not pre-workout because it can impair your ability to perform if it is done pre-workout, the same as foam rolling. Um, so yeah, I would do it post-workout if I was going to do it. I generally tend to, if I'm going to foam roll, I'll do it on a rest day rather than on a training day. Um, static stretching can also be used like intraset, but I don't do that myself. It's not something that I've used before. AJ's done a little bit of it. Um, I've so I've included a couple of bits here and there recently, but not consistently for a while so I can't really talk about my results with it because I've only recently done it however AJ's been doing it a little bit longer than I have now um interest set for hypertrophy yeah. so it is it does have its place but um I can't comment on my success with it as I've not been using it very long yet AJ's used it a bit longer yeah well, there's a bit of researching yeah I would say pretty much the same as Danny. Um, I actually do stretch specifically my legs. So after every leg session, I stretch. And then on my rest days, I do like kind of full body stretching, foam rolling, releasing, things like that. Um, and I know that there's a lot of kind of negative view on uh, stretching and releasing prior to training. But I think if you have an ongoing issue, let's say, so for me, it's my hip. I noticed that if I go into my leg session and I don't do a warm up that may include some stretching or a bit of releasing, I perform a lot worse because the muscle is really stiff or that area is really stiff. So I think as long as you warm up the muscle first, so what I tend to do is do a few sets on the abductor, use the cable machine to warm up my hips, things like that, then I think it's okay to potentially do a bit but again, it's not something that I would say is like, you must do it. I think it just depends on your situation and, you know, what works yeah. for you. Before, uh, before I lift, I do do a bit of a dynamic warm up. So I'll do like walkouts and then bring my leg forwards. Like, yeah, so I do do a dynamic warm up, including dynamic stretches, but I don't do static holds yeah, in yeah. my pre workout routine. But, um, yeah, I completely get where you're coming from, Sammy, and that it, I, I agree it is individual and some people might need a bit of stretching pre-workout. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all and I don't think people should be dogmatic with their approach. So next question, Sammy, what vitamins and or supplements do you take? Why and how do they improve your performance in the gym and life in general? So first of all, little plug here, if you haven't already listened to our supplements podcast, uh, we have one. So go and listen to it. Um, but again, I think this really depends on what you're doing. So, you know, I might list now some supplements that you don't potentially need to take. So I think it just depends where you are in your fitness journey, what your goals are and why you're taking it. So Currently, um, I'll start with what I take in the morning. So I take fish oil. So the reason I take this, it has omega-3, it's anti-inflammatory, and I take a high quality 
fish oil because if you take you know just the ones over the counter i think a lot of them to be honest the concentration is quite low and they don't actually provide you with much benefits so just make sure if you do take a fish oil that it's good quality then i take curcumin so that helps again with inflammation um and i take a liposomal one which is easily absorbed by the body i take glutathione which is an antioxidant again liposomal because it's easily absorbed by the body um then i take vitamin d3 which i think is very important especially if you live in a country like the uk where you don't get much sun exposure or if you have light skin as well because uh, your body doesn't produce it so yeah vitamin d3 vitamin b which helps with energy levels um to be honest they add vitamin b in pretty much every multivitamin as well but yeah so those and then in the evening as like my kind of pre-bed routine i take magnesium biglycinate so again that is the most easily absorbed version of magnesium and i take ashwagandha but make sure it's ksm 66 because that's the best one as well so those are the those are the main ones that i take and then that's yeah. not including my intro workout and stuff yeah so i i like to keep things pretty simple supplement wise unless i know that i need something um i take i'm sammy i know you take this as well creatine i don't oh, know yeah. if you mentioned it but yeah i'm pretty sure sammy takes yeah hey. mention why it's important to take creatine um so i take five grams of creatine every day i just put it in my intro because that way i remember to take it but it doesn't really matter what time you take creatine um it's beneficial for a multitude of reasons it's one of the most researched supplements on the market and it's very affordable as well so i would recommend it to most people especially competitors um and supplementing with creatine can help increase your body's intramuscular creatine stores um which will basically help you perform it will help you produce energy for muscular contraction um and perform well in the gym so yeah i would definitely recommend creatine it help it will help your muscles bring about a fuller look it doesn't make you retain water in a negative way like a lot of people think it does you don't have to cut it out on a peak week it's a positive thing to keep in so carry on supplementing creatine all the way through your peak week all the way through your prep it will help your gym performance and it will help um improve the way you look basically so yeah keep it in every day three to five grams a day every day that's all you need to do you don't need to load it um your creatine stores will become saturated if you just take five grams per day every day um other supplements which i take i take a multivitamin vitamin d3 um intra workout i have pepto pro with um highly branched cyclic dextrin taurine and electrolytes electrolytes to help with hydration um pepto pro is obviously the protein source highly branched cyclic dextrin is the carbohydrate source and taurine is an amino acid um 
I then take in the evening because ashwagandha has a calming effect and it makes me feel a little bit sleepy. So I have to take my support max in the evening. Support max is by Strom. Um, you can find that online if you search it, but it's basically a, a cortisol control supplement and a calming supplement. It helps, ashwagandha has a lot of research behind it. It helps if you ever suffer with anxiety um, and it will help you basically recover and feel a little bit calmer, reduce stress and anxiety. And it really like, I do feel the effects when I take it. I just feel calmer. Obviously there is a placebo effect with a lot of supplements and that is something to bear in mind. But I genuinely feel like I'm calming down when I've taken it and I feel a little bit sleepier, so it sets me up well. Another place to potentially um, take it is post-workout, if you're someone who feels that they can't really calm down after a workout. Um, yeah. So mine, I, I pretty much do take it post-workout, well, a few hours after, because I will finish my training between like half three and five, and then I'll take it not with my immediate post-workout meal, but just a bit after that. Yeah. Um, and then other supplements I take, I take fish oil. And I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Off the top of my head, that's all I can think of. Yeah. But well, yeah, remember that the majority of supplements are exactly that. They're a supplement. So make sure you've got your diet nailed first. You have absolutely like no right to supplement anything until you've got the most out of your nutrition from your diet um, and you're consuming quality foods throughout the day. You've got a wide range of micronutrients in there and a nice diverse range of food sources in your diet. There's no point in supplementing anything until you have. Yeah, it's better to spend that extra, well, to use that money that you're paying for supplements on better quality foods. Definitely yeah and also in terms of research like there's a lot of research into supplements individually however that there's not a lot of research into how supplements interact with each other so it's potentially something to consider um that there isn't a lot of like there isn't a lot into that so if you're if you've got a whole shopping list of supplements that's all well and good but you don't actually know how they're interacting with each other um, so make sure you know what you're putting in your body and you know why you're taking it and you know if you need it or not. Yeah. And also, this is just like a side thing. Um, make sure that if you do invest into a supplement, that it's an absor a, a version that can be absorbed by the body. Otherwise, you're wasting your money. Yeah. So Set the bioavailability of yeah. the supplement. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, that's all we have for today's episode, guys. We hope that you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening, guys. As always, we really appreciate your feedback. So if you have anything to say, please write in the reviews below or drop us a message directly on Instagram. We really appreciate it when you share us in your Instagram stories as well. So keep doing so. Um, and thank you for listening. Yeah, and also, guys, feel free if there's any specific topics you want us to cover or any specific guests you want on the podcast, please let us know. We're always open to suggestions. And thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.